time for the Magpie 24-7 Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Thompson and Paul Rudder. Discussing all things Newcastle United, passionate, unfiltered, unfiltered, and totally black and white by fans for fans. What's happening, everyone? It's Kyle for the Magpie 24-7 podcast. And this is weird, Paul. It's getting really strange because we've went four games without a loss. A draw, a draw at Anfield. Like, we're historically shit at Anfield. Like, over the years, I don't think I've seen Newcastle win a game at Anfield in my life. I've no. only seen them draw once. Um, and that's when Kabai scored that um, lovely, like, curled effort. Um, past, yeah, yeah. I think it was Pepe Reina at the time, yeah, yeah. beach ball. Um, and, yeah, a, a 1-1 draw, but a lot, a lot of controversy around the 1-1 yes. draw, ball because it should. Not, not a straightforward one, is it? it? We could have all, we could have lost the game six by six or seven goals, but we should have also won 2-1. So it's a... It's, oh, it's, it's just two extremes, and it is. It's it's very typical of Newcastle United, mate. But um, we'll probably build up to talking about VAR, the ESL, and and stuff like that as well, because lots have happened since the last. Lots has happened since the last podcast. It's been it's been crazy. But um, as usual, we'll start with the team. And I mentioned this in my video yesterday, Paul. Joe Willock doesn't start again, man. Like. I'm not just going to bash Shelby because that's something that um, I'm... I'm that's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't understand. Since Hayden's got injured, I don't understand how, like, how, how Willock doesn't get ahead of either Sean Longstaff or John Joe Shelby. It's 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 baffling to me. Like, it's, what does the lad have to do? Yeah, to, to, to be fair, mate... <laughs> You've got to get into the mindset of one of one Steve Bruce, and that is a difficult place and a difficult angle to start from. But just touching upon what you said in the intro, 1995, I think it was the last time that we won down here. To put it in perspective, I had hair and lots of it back in 1995 when this happened, and I think I was in year year nine. I know the people who I went to school with will correct us if I'm if I'm if I'm slightly wrong, but yeah, year nine back in 1995. Um, I didn't at that time think it would be this amount of time that we had to wait, but let's 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 start it off. I mean, um, you, you're quite right in what you said. We got a draw, but it, it was a draw snatched from what should have been a victory. Although we could have been absolutely annihilated on the other hand. So yes, yeah, totally strange. As was the starting lineup. I think everybody after Joe Willick's impressive cameos recently. Uh, expected the lad to start because he gives us something totally different to what we already have. Uh, but we all know that, and I said this on the view from the van, John Joe Shelby could be caught with Mrs. Bruce in a compromi- compromising position in the middle of a uh, middle of, of, of Anfield. It could have been caught in the cop end by Steve Bruce, red-handed, guilty as you like, and he still would have said, do you want a towel? You're starting the game today because yeah, that just seems to be it's it's Bruce's uh, blue chippers and he will not seemingly deviate uh, unless the pressure is absolutely on and things are going absolutely dreadful. So you knew in a way that you know he, he likes to play it safe. He would play the same formation uh, and the same uh, same personnel. But we've said it all along. The midfield mate is a huge huge issue for Newcastle. But it, it's it seems 
again, to me, to you, to many others out there, that the most simplest thing to do is to drop a lazy bastard. And I don't care what he says on a Zoom meeting and this, that, and the other. He is a lazy bastard. There's, there's no, oh, you can interpret it this way, and I'm not lazy, and I'm not this, that, and the other. He is a complete and utter lazy bastard. Yeah. Um, he should have been dropped. He wasn't. He gets another start. And again, to me, did nothing yesterday that warrants his place ahead of Joe Willick, who time and time and time again, uh, you know, he's young, he's hungry, he keeps nagging to the manager, I want to start, I want to start, I want to start. And every time he does start, mate, and it wasn't just his goal yesterday, he got a couple of headers away beforehand. In the limited time he's getting, he's getting so much more out of it. He did more in his cameo yesterday than John Joe Shelby's done. Well, certainly in, in, in the minutes that have gone by, but in, in games and games and games. Tell me a game where John Joe Shelby recently has had that sort of impact. And I don't think you'll be able to to you know to tell me that. And I also think as well, the John Joe Shelby equation then knocks on to Sean Longstaff because I still maintain that uh, if, if Sean Longstaff had somebody better beside him, he would look a billion times better because he's having to do the running mate for two people. Because yeah. John Joe is just such a lazy lazy bastard I, I can only see it uh, i can only call it as i see it and and I, and I just see a lack of work effort and commitment and drive and dedication and hunger um and he looks like a player whose powers are are fading and i just don't think he justifies being the highest paid player at the club i don't yeah. i'd give whatever money he was getting to try and tie Alan to maximum down because no doubt about it mate there's going to be a, a hellacious scramble for his signature not from Aston Villa, as some absolute mad bastard said on Twitter. <laughs> no, exactly what you're about. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly what I'm on about. Not Aston Villa, because they ain't got enough money to be able to get Alan St. Maximin. Uh, but I would give whatever John Joe's uh, getting, I'd throw it at Alan St. Maximin and say, please, please, please stay. I know our manager has got a cabbage for a head, but please, please. <laughs> please stay. We do love you, Maxie. Yeah. Um, brilliant on and off the field, as we know, but uh, I completely agree with Shelby, mate, uh, in terms of what you've said, because at the end of the day, he's coming into his 30s now. He's only going to get slower, and it, it that's hard to believe, because he's already stagnant. <laughs> the slug's gone past him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's so slow. It, like, any average midfielder is like a Mercedes and he's a Williams getting lapped every every 20 laps or something. He's just... Oh, he, he isn't even that good. Far he reminds lazy. me of my first car. I, I, my first ever car was a Renault Clio 1.2 on an N-Reg, right? And uh, I remember, Dad, oh, I've got, got you a car. Brilliant. It had a cassette player. It had, it had uh, flowers on the back of it and it was like a very light blue. I said, well, thanks for that. <laughs> what am I supposed to say to this <laughs> and it's again it's a similar sort of thing with John Joe Shelby you look at it and you sit there and think goodness what am I supposed to say to that performance it was absolutely rank it was terrible uh, and we and we get points dis in, in spite of the likes of John Joe uh, Shelby in spite of the fact uh, that we've got Steve Bruce as manager it's just it's just craziness mate. but you're right he's so he is so slow. Like I say, my Enrich Renault Clio back in the day would have absolutely just run round rings and it, it, it broke down every five minutes, which again is probably similar to John Joe. It's <laughs> yeah, it's accurate. But honestly, mate, I, like I'm not I'm not a professional footballer. I don't train three, four times a week or however many times the train depends who you Six ask. Days. 
six days off. Six days off, one day off, three days off. I don't, we don't know what the training schedule is like, but honestly, I honestly feel like I could beat John Joe in 100 meters. Like, if you're listening, John Joe, if you're listening, 100 meter bet, let's go. Um, I, I bet you I'm beating you over 100 meters because because mate, you're so slow. <laughs> but like, not not just John Joe as well. I don't know how Joe Linton got managed to get a start. Um, oh, clown feet. Like, oh, goodness me. Not- well, no, 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 I'll, I'll take that back. He, he, with how he's played in recent games, scoring a couple of goals, and that he probably warranted a start, but oh man, like first as first touches go, Paul, it's embarrassing for a professional footballer. He's just he's got the first touch of a giraffe. It's just it's absolutely yeah. pathetic. Like, it's painful, isn't it? It's it painful. Is, it's painful. It's like yeah. Come on, like uh, even when he was making good touches, they were going like two, two, three yards in front of him. And he's having to like drag his body, and and it's and he's not fast enough to begin with. So it's 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 just painful, mate. It's like watching someone play football for the first time. It hits the leg, and it just goes about five, six feet in front of them, and they just run after it. That's kind of what Joel Linton's touch is like. Uh, he was very non-existent again in this game. Uh, like he, like he is most of the time. I, I, I do concede that he's had a good bit of form, but yesterday he was marked out with that game. And he's had a few very... de- decent performances. This whole Joe Linton protection uh, racket that, that's going on with certain <laughs> people, it, it's like, yes, he's had a few okay games, right? But again, you know, I can go back in time. Des Hamilton, Lauren Chave. Lauren Chave had a few decent games. Yeah, Georgie Georgiadis once scored in the Cup in an important goal to get us through to the next round of the Cup competition, FA Cup. I could go on. Uh, even G- uh, Gabriel Overtang had the odd decent game, but they yeah. didn't cost £40 million. They weren't our record signing. You've got to look at stuff with that caveat. And, and I know it's not his fault about the price tag and this, that and the other, but yesterday, yeah, I thought he had Krusty the Clown's um, shoes on. His first touch was just terrible. I, I, I don't knock the lads want or desire and i think he, he did justify being in the team after you know doing decent sporadically over the past couple of games he's had good games and a terrible game and so on and so forth but yes his touch was awful it was all over the place and i was screaming at the tv from about i'll probably say 15 20 minutes in sub him get him off absolutely fucking you not at it today not anywhere near it whatsoever unless unless allison was to drop one Onto his clown shows, there was just no way <laughs> that he was going to notch again. I'm sorry, and yeah. and, and I, I support every player when they cross the line representing the club and they've got that shirt on. But I think everybody with common sense would have sat down and thought, "You've got Callum Wilson on the bench." What just a little common sense, that, yeah, Do you know exactly. what I mean? That, that's what yeah. I thought. I, I completely agree, mate. I mean. For for me, Shelby was more frustrating. Like I felt like I lost my voice at half time shouting at him because the amount of times Jota ran off him. Because the, clearly the game plan was to get Jota inside and get in behind with midfield. They clearly seen a weakness because there is. It's easy to pass through our midfield, and Jota was getting loads of time, loads of space. Because Shelby was just it. It happens about twenty, thirty times every game. Someone will run past him and he'll point. He'll do this pointing thing where he like he points to give the responsibility to someone else. No, John Joe, that's your man. Stop being a lazy bastard and cover him. Like, yeah, he'll get a couple of passes, and he did in the second half. But like that doesn't it doesn't cover the 
the laziness in midfield. Here's a question for you, mate, right? When was the last time you saw him do one of his... He's known for his Hollywood balls, right? When was the last time you saw him actually do one effectively in a match for Newcastle? Because I haven't seen it. Not for a while, Paul. Not for a while. I mean, for... What's Bruce saying? What is... Does Steve Bruce need to get the spec savers? Does he need to visit Barnett Castle? Because when is the last time... That that has been John Joe's only party trick. Oh, he's got this fantastic Hollywood ball that only maybe Fabian Cher has got at the club, right? Right, that's your trick. I I cannot physically remember the last time that I I saw it. And I think if I was comparing Fabian Cher and John Joe, I'd rather have Fabian Cher. I'd rather have him in doing it. Um, I would have well. And and this is before we get to the stage in the game where by some sort of... I don't know, it, it must have been unholy thought. Steve Bruce thought to himself, I know what we'll do. We'll play John Joe as a centre-back. I was like, are you, are, you, are you kidding me? I think the only Hollywood ball I saw, and in fact, I did see one yesterday, was when he passed it back and nearly fucking cost us a goal when he tried to pass it back to Martin de yeah, See, and- I, I thought that was, a, that was a better change than people make out. Now, here is out because... Before they put Shelby at centre-back, mate, they were trying to play out from the back with Clark, Dummett and Fetty. And none of them can pass water, mate, let alone a ball. They're flipping shit with a ball at their feet. Let, let's yeah. just tell them. We're missing Cher. We're missing Lejeune. Terrible. Because they're the only defensive players that can pass a ball in our team. And we're trying yeah. to play out from the back. And I appreciate that because I'm sick of the lump-up hope for the best kind of shit. I'm, I'm happy that they're trying to play out from the back. But Clark... The clock's a, a point I actually want to discuss because I'm starting to yeah. have to a bit with Clark. But Feddy, um, Feddy's never been a, a good technical passer with a ball. He's had a good couple here and there and a nice cross that got a lovely assist last season, I remember, I think, in Southampton. But Dummett isn't known for being a technically gifted player. Like There's no, there's no passing ability. And I think when John Joe went into the back three or the back five, when he was collecting the ball defensively, we're actually getting the ball to our wingers a lot more efficiently, which was well, brilliant. Well, well, weren't, you, weren't you shitting yourself, though? Every time you had the ball at the back, yeah, I would I shit was. My, Like, do not give this away. Do not fuck yeah. this up, John Joe, because he's got that in his locker. And I, I, The clock was close to doing it, mate, where he passed the ball in, in I think it was in the first or second, it was, well, first or second it would have to be, but it's definitely second half. He play, plays the ball out. It doesn't go five yards and that, they get the ball back in, in our box because Clark gives away the ball. And I think Sean did that as well at some point in the game. So getting the ball out, we were very suspect with the press. But, like, and that was the problem in the first half. We made Liverpool, who've been shit at home this year, we yeah. made them look like the Liverpool of a couple of years ago where they were pressing, they made it difficult, and they got the goal through that. They won the ball, the ball goes into the box, and it's a nice bit of control from Salah and a nice finish. Not as nice, like, the, the, the commentators were going on like it was goal of the season. And, oh, and like, I couldn't have like, don't even the, the Ballon d'Or 25 times over because he scored this one flipping goal. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was a nice finish, but like... I thought after three minutes, mate, to be honest, we we're going to have flipping battered because like, we, we, when we yeah. start that bad at Anfield, it's usually a, a long afternoon. But um, we're, 
we're, we're trying to be as I think we're as competitive as we could be going forward. Maxi was causing a lot of problems, getting kicked around the field, mind that. Yeah, I, I, I want I want to mention that. I mean, the formation mate was pretty much everybody back, get the ball to where uh, ASM and run seventy yards. Liverpool's <laughs> um, competitive uh, plan was basically get somewhere near him, regardless to whether he's got the ball or not, and kick a lump out of him. And it's just like, um, to me, it reminds me of the old 90s uh, wrestling games when you saw the conditioning bar drop down and you were sitting there and you were seeing them all really wobbly-legged. That, that's what they want to do to ASM because uh, there's no doubt about it, he is an absolute cut above anything else that we've got quality-wise. Um, and every time he's on the ball, you're like, you hold your breath because it's either something's going to happen or he takes a kick and you're shitting yourself that he's going to be injured and, and out for a few weeks. Um, but I, I thought he, he was really good yesterday. But again, I don't think he was fully fully fit. But what he was, he absolutely terrified Liverpool. Absolutely scared them. He wasn't classic, like hundred percent on it. But what he was was more than enough to put the absolute sh- uh, shits up them lot. Well, it was. I mean, uh, Kazak, who, who, who we were linked with in January, um, was partnered with Fabinho, and they both had to take swipes at him at points in the game. Paul, it was, it was, re- it was re- reckless from them. But like Maxi always provides that threat. He's always going to have that threat. And I agree with you. Sell John Joe. Use the money. Give him what he get. Give him more. Give him what he needs. What he wants. Money. I think he loves it up here, genuinely, Matt. I think Maxi loves it up here, so it might it might be an easier sell to keep him here than it would be for any other player. So it's the same thing with like a Rafa. When when Rafa was showed the love, even though we went down, he stayed because of the connection to the fans and the responsibility and all of that. And I think Rafa liked the feeling of uh, like that he knew he was important to the fans. And I get the same sort of thing with um, ASM. He likes the responsibility of being being uh, the main man at Newcastle. He likes the fans' adulation. And he may not get that elsewhere. If he goes to Manchester City, for example, just that was the first team that came to my head, he's just going to be another name in amongst a sea of fantastic names and talents and this, that and the other. At Newcastle, he's the 100% focus. Um, and, and the fans have taken to him. He's taken to the area. He's brought into the ethos. And everything else, proving that the point again that you don't have to be born in in any one to to get the lo- the love of, of the uh, you know of the yeah. fan. He gets it, and he puts the time in, so he gets everything else, uh, you know, back. But I, I will say that I don't think referees are, uh, are protecting them in, enough. It seems to me that if, if a Newcastle player farts near a Liverpool player, it's a yellow card. But there was challenges getting thrown in there where I thought you. There was one, I think, in the second half, and he literally he just gets the arms and just cynically smashes them to the floor. And I thought, what's the point? What's the point of that? You know, we get so so few chances, and you're going to just wrestle them out of it. Um, well, so there's got to be a little bit more protection to, to, to these player players because there'd be no doubt if he was playing for a Manchester City, Guardiola would be streaming. He's not getting the protection, and we've got to protect the, the player players, but. Yeah, basic tactics of everybody back, hoof the ball up, find ASM, and then try and get your sorry asses up and dragged around it because ASM does whatever the fuck ASM wants because he's that damn good. 
yeah, he, he is. He, he's just, he, he, as I said before, he offers, he offers a threat, doesn't he? And like oh. the, the first half, Liverpool had so many chances, mate. Like we had a couple as well. Sean was one on one through a pass from Shelby. Oh. Like the, the, these two had really Jekyll and Hyde performances. Shelby had a better second half than he had a first because he was shit the first half. And yeah. Sean had a good first half and was bloody terrible in the second. So, like for them to link up and uh, Sean was one on one, he puts straight the goalkeeper. Like, yeah, I, I thought on board, we gave it as good as we give it as good as we could. Because uh, Liverpool obviously very strong in the midfield and we're shit in the midfield. Uh, obviously the threat at the front three, but it's just my my problem was that we're getting through with midfield too easily, and that's something I've brought up in the podcast about 25, 30 times this season. And it's like it's mental how how it easy it's in the midfield. Yeah, it has to be addressed this summer, mate, because it's just it's the same old shit. And the thing is, if me and you can see it, then you damn sure as well, Jurgen Klopp and all of his analysts and sports scientists and this, that and the other have noted how piss poor our central midfield is. Not since the days of Kabai uh, and Czech Teode and the likes of them have we had a quality uh, central midfield uh, partnership. But again, I will stick up for Sean in that I think if he had somebody better next to him, um, then we would see a better and more consistent Sean Longstaff. Um but yeah, going back to that chance, I thought Sean should have buried it. Uh, but again, clown feet coming in. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think he's well, that's why we need Willick. Because Willick, he just seems to arrive in the box late. He seems to follow up on the scraps. All of our players is either right on the six-yard box or literally back on our 18-yard box defended. There's, there's none of that. And that's where Willick is flourishing at Newcastle because he's the eight. He operates in that area. He floats around the edge of the box. It's where Sean Longstaff should be. Um, yeah. But, oh, yeah. But I just thought that with Sean, he, I think he should have scored that chance. I really, really yeah, do. Yeah, 100%. If it was Joe Linton, they would have been calling for his head on, on social yeah. media. So it's only fair you, 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 give them, you give them the same kind of critique and say, look, Sean probably should have scored that. Yeah. Uh, the, the touch afterwards was a bit lately. He got the ball. His first touch was shocking. Um, bless him, he is slow. <laughs> um, he's not as quick as the Liverpool defence, put it that way. And he he gets the ball away from Kadzak, and then he hits it straight at Allison, which was a shame. But honestly, I thought we could have like we could have took our chances, but we could have also been a couple down because Jota had a couple of sitters. Salah had a sitter. Marnie had a sitter. Where he decided to run at the goalkeeper instead. But the one person I think in the first half, mate, that deserves more praise than anybody else has got to be Martin Dubravka, man. Yeah, all game, I think he was fantastic. And I think looking at yesterday and looking at the last couple of weeks in particular, bringing um, Dubravka back in for Carl Darlow was the right decision, uh, mm. 100%. As we, 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 as we, yeah, we for we've it. been saying that as well, and I'm sure, and, and I know for a fact there's been a lot of fans around around social media saying it as well, that Dubravka needed to come back in for Darlow because Darlow's making a couple of little errors here and there that Dubravka wouldn't make. And I know he had that little uh, cock-up against, uh, against Wolves, um, when he first came back in, but ever since, I don't think he's put a foot wrong. So fair play to Dubravka again. I think he made nine saves yesterday, mate. He's just, he's just a class above. Probably yeah, the most underrated goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's like times. Superman and Batman, isn't he? Combined, he, he's he's got that much uh, saving in him. Um, I thought he was heroic. I thought he was brave. I thought he made himself big, safe hands. 
Um, I think you can critique his distribution um, slightly since he's got he's, he's come back in. But I think his command, his presence in the box, it's no disrespect to Dallow. I think Dallow's a quality keeper. Um, and I think for a team coming up or um, a championship team or a low-end Premier League team, he's, he's, he's a good keeper. But uh, honestly, if you were to say, if it was to be a draft sort of pick, and I was, I was, uh, you know, managing a team. Dubravka would be uh, one of the first picks. He's definitely our best goalkeeper since Shea Given. I think Shea Given's the best of all time. Um, and that, that again is holding him in high esteem because I, you know, I, I really rate some of our other goalkeepers that we've had. Not yet, yeah, not John Carrasco. No, give up. Not, not mentioned <laughs> John Carrasco. No, 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 sales. No, no, Ali. But you know, the likes of Steve Harper and stuff like that. We've had some good goalkeepers. Tim Krull. We've had some good, good goalkeepers, but uh, Martin Dubravka is fantastic. And again, he's a bit like um, ASM. He's a player that I'm worried about this summer with Woodman coming back to Newcastle and everything and Gillespie have been signed. We've been linked to the uh, to the Porto goalkeeper as well recently, along with West Ham and Spurs. Um, so I am a little bit worried about Dubravka because I think he'd go to a Champions, Le- Champions League side and I think he'd look Absolutely quality. So he's another, another player that I'd sell Shelby and use some of his wages to try and prop up a deal to keep Martin Dubravka at, at Newcastle. But I think, in all honesty, and I'm just trying to rack my brains now, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I think he's probably Rafa Benitez's best signing at Newcastle. Do you agree? That's a, that's a debate for another podcast, I think, mm-hmm. Paul. But trying to think through the names, Richie, I think he's the best. Lejeune, um yeah, I'd probably say so. He's been the first team the longest. He's made most of an impact. Couple of million. Probably Jeez, the Johnny, useless bastard. <laughs> pro- probably the the most effective signing, the most impactful signing since pro- in Rafa's tenure. The only other one would probably be Dwight Gale getting more back up uh, to the Premier League from the Championship. Yeah. That's the only yeah, think- close one I could think of, mate. To be honest, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was really happy with Dubravka and I thought he needed to be mentioned. But second half, mate, I think as the game went on, I was like, I, I'm not sure about everybody else, but like, I was starting to get the feeling that we could actually nick something in this game. And it would we'll just seem to be hanging in there, staying in the game. And, and, and obviously, we'll get a couple of chances here and there. Obviously, Joe Willock came on. They brought him on a lot earlier. Um, they took the, the, the brung Wilson on as well. Good attacking changes. They took Clark off um, and put an attacking player on, which nearly sent us into cardiac arrest. I couldn't believe it. Um, Wouldn't change the formation, though, would he? <laughs> no, I didn't change the formation. He put Shelby back, which I thought. The thing is, Shelby's probably best when he does it when he moves least, and you're gonna and you're not gonna move as much at centre back as you're gonna move at. Um, midfield when you're going forward so Shelby wasn't caught out of position at any point you could just leave him to pass the ball defensively though Jesus Jesus Christ but suppose oh, in yeah, I was shitting kittens mate every time the ball went near I was like oh but please don't put the ball back to him because you, you just you're taking months off my life are you every time you're passing back to him uh, because uh, he, he just it just was it was absolutely uh, horrendous of a move I would have maybe change the formation around and really have gone for it. Because you knew, I knew, and surely Steve Bruce would have known that these haven't been great defensively. They've got players missing. Um, they've been really susceptible to, to free kicks and crosses whipped in and uh, all of that sort of thing. So I was like, get about them. Stop playing against the name. 
they're not as good as what they have been. And I said yesterday on the on the view from the van that this was a, an opportunity to end the quarter of a century of heartache and agony and really twist the knife in with regards to them qualifying as part of the greedy six into the Champions League. Um, so I really, wanted to, to, I really wanted us to go, to go at, you know, to go at it and to go at, you know, after after the jugular, as it were, because I don't know, I, I think that they have got a lot of players who are, again, like your John Joe Shelby's, you've got your Wijnaldum's, you've got your Milner's, et cetera, et cetera, but they need a little bit of a, a of an overhaul, uh, you know, in their team. They've got some fantastic players, but I just thought, go for it. Go on. Stop being, don't be scared of them. There's no cop. There's no noise. There's no intimidation. And you've got players who might not be there next season. And it does put a little seed of doubt. You look at the form. Form hasn't been great. I was like, stop showing them the respect. I would go into games, mate, and I don't care whether it's Manchester City, I would be in your face. It would be nasty. Uh, it would be strong in the tackle. It would be going for it and not giving an absolute shit. It would be playing, trying to implement our brand of football as opposed to sitting back and please, uh, you know, don't hurt us by too much. And I was worried before the game that we'd go in with a damage limitation uh, mantra or, you know, mindset. And then as soon as you go behind after three minutes, you're like, bloody hell. Um, but you're right. The second half, you, you, you're coming into it and some attacking sub. You know, good attacking substitution. So we'll give Bruce credit for that. Although I think then two lads should have been starting, to be honest. Uh, yeah. But that definitely was the. I think the moment again, the, the, the game started to swing and and sway a little bit. But it, it was like a it was like a heavyweight boxing match at one point. We just attack one way, then attack the other. Yeah. Well, it, they made a change. They made a change to to tighten it up because they brought Milner on and put him to defensive midfield because we're getting him behind far too easily and I think I think that showed the game up a little bit for them. But I'll, let's let's talk about this penalty, Paul, or the not penalty because we'll get the chance. Uh, Wilson bearing down on goal and it's nice to have a confidence where you're like go on and you and you mm-hmm. have confidence in a centre forward because usually it's Riviere, Jocelyn. Like we've had shit strikers over the last couple. What, what of years. are you trying to say? Just, just a little and Riviera, right? Machines. Rolling in, like you, you know, we've had some strikers that can't finish. So to have full confidence in a striker that's going to score a goal is is nice to have. Um, he ch- he tries to chip the goalkeeper. Um, he gets pushed though, Paul. There's a clear push from Trent Alexander Arnold, right? And it's like blatant push. Pushes it into the path of the goalkeeper. The keeper saves uh, Wilson's initial shot. It goes onto his arm, which is tucked in. And uh, it goes Wilson into Wilson's path, and um, lo and behold, it goes it trickles into the net, one one, and the chalk and the chalk it off. They don't give Newcastle anything; it's just giving us a handball and crack on, like under the letter of the law, which I think is a load of shit. The letter of the law currently is a waste of flipping time because at the end of the day, common sense would tell you there's no intention to hit the ball with the arm he kind of put his arm anywhere else he's been flipping fouled for god's sake and common sense yeah, tell uh, you that hey, hey arnold hey arnold at his back right yeah uh all rugby head he knew for a certain fact we're talking about we had confidence in wilson to finish that goal i'm telling you something hey arnold behind him knew that that ball was going to end up in the net as well so he tried every dirty trick in the book and I was absolutely, I was again fuming, again ready to to 
pick up the TV and chuck another TV out the back uh, out the back door. Just absolutely uh, disgusting. What do you expect to happen? The rules, mate, is shit. Because if the ball hits up, hits up and then trickles to, I don't know, say Dwight Gale or somebody who, who, stood, who stood be you know stood beside him, and he taps it in, that's okay. But if and again, he's not done anything deliberate. If Callum Wilson taps it in, then it's not a goal. How how that makes an absolute ant's dick of a difference, I do not know. But I'll tell you something, right, mate? I'm going mental as this goal's going in, and I mean mental. Um, yeah. And the, the, the taking away from the game, because I'm going mental, we've scored what to me is a perfectly good equaliser. And then about 30 seconds afterwards, Laurel and Hardy on commentary, and it was awful, the commentary yesterday on BT, let me just say. Weren't for Jake Humphrey yesterday, again, I'd have probably whinged about that. But you're sitting there and you're like, 30 seconds after the event, you can't you can't do that. This VR is as good as the ESL and needs point in the bin. It's not fit for purpose. It should just be for goal line decisions and major balls ups. His arms are down beside him. He's not deliberately handled the ball. The, and surely a referee common sense with the passion he can see everything he's in a perfect opportunity to see it sees that there's no ill attempt it's not Maradona it's not anything like that he's not punched the ball in it's merely slightly brushed him and come into his path and he's had to use his feet to get it over the line he's not cheated and so to me the goal should have stood if you're going to disallow the goal mate then you take it back literally a couple of seconds and Callum Wilson is one on one with the goalkeeper and Hey Arnold, Rupiad, pushes him, and it should be your last man. Yeah. You foul the player, so it is a red card and a penalty kick. So you can't have it each another way. And as soon as they disallowed it, I was like, "Well, come on, NVA, complete it." If you're going to micromanage it, and, and they brought up a referee about a couple of minutes later, saying, "No, oh, the rules correct. The rules correct." I thought absolute bollocks. I thought, get that cock womble, that huge fist lap off my screen now because you're talking complete yeah. and utter shit. There is no way that goal should have been uh, disallowed. It wasn't cheated. He didn't. Uh, he didn't prosper by cheating. It was a perfectly legitimate goal, and we were robbed. Twenty-five years, mate. We've not had a rubber rub of the green down there, and you're looking at it. And yesterday, that was a perfectly acceptable goal. And no wonder uh, Callum Wilson was losing his shit after the match. Well, to, like, I look at VAR, mate, honestly. And like, VAR's done good for football in parts. It's just the idiots we've got running it. Like, Man United leads today. A penalty wasn't given for exactly the same thing Wilson's just done yesterday, where, where Gracie's arm... Penalty wasn't given, but Wilson got a handball. It's like, it's not both. It's one or the other. Is it is it right or is it wrong? Is it a handball? Is it not? The same two, two the same thing can't happen over two different games and have two it's different outcomes. Game. Like yeah. yesterday, again, made the consistency. A West Ham player, Balboena, got oh, sent putting the ball away and grazing a Chelsea player on the follow-through. Yet... Sean Longstaff against Burnley got kicked in the bastard head. The head. Yes. He got kicked in the head. Sean Michael, sweet chin music, kicked in the head. And nothing was given. 
the inconsistency, mate, is flipping staggering. It's absolutely yeah. like they talk about the ESL killing football and stuff, but this the video is flipping shit it referees winning it. How, how can you sell it? He's another one, right? When that second goal went in for Newcastle yesterday, the second goal, right, which was turned out to be an equaliser, did you celebrate it straight away or did you wait 10 seconds? To, yeah. Oh, Liverpool players um, going over there. I didn't celebrate it, mate. I was I was in pure anger. Like, yeah, because... but the, the t- that, that's not what football's about. It's about emotion, mate. They're taking it away. It's not a computer game. It is not a simulation. I, I don't know. The thing is, I wanted VAR to be able to help the referees. It's gone too far. It's gone too much to where the VAR is basically refereeing it. Now, it's the same with these offside, the goals that, oh, it's it's offside. Again, it depends where you freeze the original shot. Because if you'd have freezed it two micro fractions of a second before, that could be an onside. But if you freeze it just there, then it looks like he's offside. It's it's open to too much. It's not football, is it? It's not football. football. They need to get rid of it. It should be for over the lines and for very major things. But you know, like for example, when we played and the, the referee cocked the rules up, he didn't know about retaking the penalty when we were in the championship. Certainly, yeah. yeah, that's a perfect example. VR, you have you, you haven't read the rule book, uh, Flower. This is the rule book. This is what needs to happen if you got, you know what I mean. You can't give it away as a, a free kick to the opposition. It needs to be retaken. Blah blah blah. Um, it should be for stuff like that. It is getting too too ridiculous. And I would, you know, if we were in that away end down in Anfield. And we'd have been losing our shit. And then, I don't know, it, it leaves a, an absolute foul taste in your mouth. And it's happening. Right. It's not You're just right. once, mate. And it's not just If it was just once or twice, I'd be fine with that. But it's happening every single game. And it's having major ramifications on everything. And well, again, it seems, to, it seems to favour certain, certain uh, teams. And it, it, it all leans back to this top six um, issue and stuff as well. They seem to get more rub of the green. Yesterday, mate, I'm telling you now, it was a goal or it was a red card and a penalty. What it wasn't was what the referee and the VR come up with. Just pure shit. Free kick for Liverpool. Fuck off. I was like, you corrupt well, bunch of bastards. The referee. And, and to be fair, the referee, and he's something, before they were full time, they were better back in the day when the Premier League first started than what they are now. Now you've got people like, um, um, what do you call him? Uh, Mike, uh, not Mike Dean. Uh, you know what I'm on about. Um, yeah. The referees, and he's sitting there, and it's all this, like, over the top. It's all like... No, it was like being right. and, and, and No, it's getting to the stage now where you don't actually need the man on the pitch because it's going to be going all electronic. But for me, it needs to be stopped needs to be got rid of next season whilst they do a full root and branch on the entire thing to work out how best to be able to assist the referees. To me, some of the issues why VAR was brought in was because referees were missing and bottling making obvious decisions. Yesterday, if that's on the referee, you'd sit there and think he's bottled it because it's at Anfield uh, you know, against Liverpool. Uh, to me, what you need is strong referees who will make tough decisions but are fair. And then you don't need your VAR. You can stick that in a box and send it back to fucking Amazon or Amazon or wherever it came from. It is not That's needed. It's not, ne- not necessary. The only thing I think technology realistically can help with is 
like it did against us when it was uh, against Everton in the uh, the two two fight back. Is the ball over the line? Yes or no? Beep. Yes, it's a goal. Fantastic. Anything else? It clearly isn't fit for the purpose it was designed for. So for me, bung it back in its box, send it back to Amazon, and forget about it. It's a load of shite. Yeah, well, it it, it can be good that I think they just need to strip it back and get better officials, mate. I really think that's the case because the inconsistency, as I said before, is is off the charts. Yeah. It cannot be. You cannot have different rules for different games. It's just flipping insane, man, Paul. There's a lot of stripping back, mate. It's like having a space rocket, mate, and trying to strip the fucker back to a push pipe. That's what it means. But the the reason they brought Vine in the first place was because the officials weren't good enough in this country, and like. You've gave the but same the officials who weren't good enough. This it's it's like giving a it's like giving a caveman a game boy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's what you're giving these referees. You're giving them technology they don't know how to use because they're stupid. They're not good at their jobs in the first place. That the the standard of refereeing in this country is worse now than it probably was at the start of the 1900s. Mate, it's absolutely flipping atrocious. You've got yeah. Mike Dean who makes it all about himself. Andre Mariner only supports the big teams. Before that, flipping Howard Webb who supported Man United, um, flipping on a religious level. You know, they come out, mate. If you read some of the autobiographies and stuff like that, they were like, they were very much scared to make the decision. But that's what I'm saying to you. If these are full time, right, referees, that's their full time job. Some of these decisions that were getting wrong before VAR came in, I'm sitting there in the ground and like, I can tell straight away. So you must be able to tell as well. So why aren't you making the decision? You're not making the decision because it's against the home team and there's a loud crowd and it's under the floodlights and there's a lot of pressure. All you need, right? I saw that. It's and just have the, the strength and the courage of your convictions, and just call it as you see it, rather than have this sort of bias. And it was that bias that's brought the system in. But all it's done is just highlighted a different set of problems, mate. We got rid of some of the other problems and created a whole new kind of worms. I hated the fact that I celebrated like crazy yesterday when Wilson scored. But then 10 seconds later, it's like, again, I'm fucking sick of this VAR. I, I don't want... It's not It's not, It's not. not the emotion. It's not the it's passion. It's not football, is it? It's not, not. football. So, I, I did. I, I, I and then, when, well. then when the other goal goes in, mate, because the, the Liverpool players, when Willick does score, they're all going up to the, to, to the, to the, uh, to the assistant rep. And I'm like, what are you complaining about this time? And I think it's just complaining for the sake of complaining to look good. But I'm like, you can't, there's nothing wrong on this score. It's not, I can already tell, it's not offside. I don't need your replays. I don't need your VAR. Yeah, I, I don't doubt, need that shit. I doubt, mate. I thought there might be a, an offside at the back post before the header or something like that. But it was just pure anger for me. I didn't celebrate. I just, I, I was just simply repeating myself over and over again, shouting, um, disallow that one, then you bastards. Go on, then try. Try and mm. disallow. That's all I was yeah. saying. What, what are you going to find? Been 40, 50 times. Like, it's, it's just taking the emotion out of the game, mate, and the emotion is what makes it the the game it is. So yeah, the even and it's what it. tells the Premier League, mate. It's what's uh, and this, this is the thing they're going to water down this league until they've taken all the passion out of it, and then the people won't give a fuck. It's it's the best league that there is because of the passion, because anybody can theoretically go up the leagues and win it, because anybody can beat anybody, anybody can be relegated. Look, when we went down the first time, we weren't expecting it. Anybody can be relegated. Anybody can be promoted up. Barnsley, 
uh, obviously the in-laws uh, team, they fought relegation. Now they're fighting to get into the Premier League. And if they get into the Premier League, it's Good the dream of can we, can we stay on? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. This is this is what it's all about, and it's all about them little sub subplots and the nuances, and it's about uh, hostilities, like family divides. It's about uh, little stories. It's about little quirks and this, that, and the other. And this stupid system is ruining the lot. And the thing is, it's not just the stupid system; it's the absolute morons back at St George's Park or wherever the meeting that. That is seeing this, they've got a benefit of a replay, mate. Yesterday, where was the common sense that's saying, right, it's his hand, better of the law, the rule book states no goal. But hey, Arnold has got is all over the back of him. It's a penalty, it's a red card mm-hmm. all day long. Common sense, I as the referee, if, if they say to me, well, you're right, I handball, goal, just like okay, right, well, I'm pulling it back then for a couple of seconds uh, before that. Because there was a red card and a spot kick. Fuck you. Right. I saw that. Bang. Penalty. You don't need your stupid VR replay. Common sense needs to prevail when it comes to refereeing and VR in this country. But mm. we do get the goal, Paul. Joe Willock again. Three and three. Less than 60 minutes played. Three goals. You know, five points is a contributing factor toward that. So. No matter, like I know there's talk of the takeover arbitration and all that, but whether that happens or not, I don't care. Like I, I like I don't care like care if it happens or not in t- for this, but like Joe Willock has to be a Newcastle player by the end of next summer, whether a takeover happens or not. Um that's a must. Because yeah. that lad has got a lot of potential. He's a very good box to box midfielder. And it baffles me how Arsenal have got Xhaka, Cabellos. Uh, all these slow shite midfielders that they've got in the midfield, and they've got Joe Willock out at Newcastle, who's pacey, quick, keen, hungry, goal scoring ability. Like I, I, I don't understand it. But I'll throw another one yeah. to you, mate. Isaac Hayden. It was exactly the same. He goes for peanuts, right? And I still think in this day and age, twenty million is pretty much peanuts. It's the going rate. But um. You know, they the let Hayden go, and he's proved to be a very, very quality, useful footballer. They've kept all of some right shite because, you know, there might be a, a sexier-sounding name or this, that, and the other. Um, Joe Willick has been, literally, he had no chances whatsoever, really, at, um, at Arsenal. He got the Thursday night job uh, in the Europa League, and, and that was pretty much it. But when you saw him playing that, and I watched a few Arsenal's games when he played really well, and he was always arriving in the box late. He was scoring goals. He was doing everything, so I was surprised to let him go. But Lee Charney's number one job when he's sitting there, when he's finished um, doing what he's doing with Mike Ashley and sucking up and kissing up to his boss, what he needs to do is to get onto the phone and use whatever it is, whether it's a couple of million a season over a few seasons or whatever it is. He's a young lad who could stay here for 10 plus years. And Steve Bruce is right to a certain degree. You could have him as a player in your squad to be able to build forward for a long, long, long time. And then that 20 million over 10 seasons works out at 2 million, which, you know, again, it, it puts him into Des Hamilton brackets in outlay. But look at the quality that you're getting. There isn't another player at Newcastle. And, and this is what shows John Joe Shelby up as the lazy bastard for what he is. Because a fit John Joe Shelby would look to be on the edge of the boxes, feeding on scraps, this, that, and the other. Joe Willick does that. 
And he's coming in, he's scored more goals and he's done more stuff in the in the short time he's been here than what Shelby's done in ages since probably the championship season. So uh, we haven't got another player like that. Uh, I think the closest probably to it would be Sean Longstaff, but he never gets a, a, a go in, in that position. But we need goals from midfield, mate. And yeah. he is a perfect yeah. for that. He's young, he's British, he's hungry, he's keen to impress. And i tell you something as well, when he speaks, he speaks uh, with, um, uh, like, he obviously he's very, very young, but he's got uh, old shoulders and old head on him. Um, and I like what he says, and he always says the right things, and he talks about the team, and he talks about the city, and the players, and the fans, and he was like, oh, I wish Newcastle fans would have been there because I'd have jumped in with them. And he's, again, just like ASM, mate, he, he says everything 100% correct. Yeah. To, to what needs to be said. So, yeah, £20 million, pound, mate. I don't care whether Mike Ashley has got to hand over that money that he got for the deposit of of, of, um, of the Saudis, whether he's got to put it in, in his own uh, bank account and pull the money over, whether Newcastle's got to finance it over four or five years, uh, whether we've got a takeover and the Saudis want, uh, they want to do stuff a bit more flamboyantly, I don't know. Um, make this lad a signing. Is exactly him and ASM are, are, are literally the blueprints of what you want a, a Newcastle, a new Newcastle United to be. Young, hungry, committed, speaks well, passionate, but connection with the fans. Stop fucking around, stop wasting 40 million on Joe Linton and spend reasonable money. And, and you know, the last time we said this, mate, the last time we said this was, was, was probably for Solomon Rondon. Spend sensible money on sensible players. Just like yeah. you did with Callum Wilson, I suppose you could argue as well. Uh, and get these players in who are guaranteed. We can't keep signing players like Remy Cabellas and taking a chance on them and signing players from abroad. Oh, they might be good. They might be good because most of the time they're shite. Yeah. But proven yeah. players yeah. like him, move heaven and earth, get Joe Willick in, get him signed, even if it's another loan for another season and we kick the ball down the road for a little bit longer. We need to keep them at the club, mate. Yeah, I totally agree. He's a he's a breath of fresh air, mate. And I think um to to like wrap up talking about the game before we talk about the ESL. A couple of honourable mentions. I think Dummer played well. Um I think he really kept that defence and he's been more he's been an unsung hero for me since he came back in. He hasn't put oh, a foot wrong like you get like you get with Paul Dummett. Um I think he's bailed the other two out quite a few times. Although he tried to score against his own team against Burnley. Um Bar and that, I think he, I think he's been pretty good. Um, so fair play to, to Dummett on that. Maxi always a threat. Wilson robbed of a goal. Fast as fuck yeah. as well. Can I just say he seemed to be? I don't know. Has he increased his speed? He was like speaking quick. He was literally fast as out. Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, he's always been quick, Wilson. Um, oh, Miggy worked hard yesterday. I don't think he was very effective when he was on the ball, Miggy, but he worked very hard defensively and going forward. I think he played in two or three different positions in the game as well. So he needs to be. I've said this. I'll say it again. Miggy needs to be central, uh, and uh, ASM needs to be slightly out to the left. But Bruce likes to play them the other way around. I'd have had Miggy in the middle. You could have had Wilson back on the right, um, and then you can have uh, ASM out out on the left. But uh, yeah, and I know I know what you're saying with him. It not, wasn't his best game, but again, you can't fault his work rate or his attitude or his ethics or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, but there's there's one I would men I'm going to mention from earlier, uh, Kieran Clark, because I, I mentioned him in my video yesterday. I've got serious doubts about him, Paul, because since he's came back from this injury, he hasn't looked the same. And like Clark has always been known for being this solid head, never puts a foot wrong. He's made more mistakes in the last four weeks than I've seen him make in the previous three or four years he's been here. It's really he just don't know whether he's injured or something because it just you're right. He just doesn't look quite at the races since he's he's, he's come back. Does he, he looks? No, it just doesn't look there. Yeah, I, I I hope it's a bad bit of form. I just I hope it's something like that. But I fear with him being thirty one coming on thirty two, like the game the game in the Premier League starting to get a little bit too quick for him. And like I might be quick to jump to conclusions. I hope I am. But I do worry because it seems a bit different this time. Obviously, you can have a shit game and be entitled. Like you can have a shit game every now and then. Every player does, but like it's a bit. It's just different, mate. When he's making mistakes that he shouldn't make, and he makes tackles that he shouldn't make, and he's just making general errors of frustration and stuff like that. Yeah, missing headers. Like missed headers, didn't he? The first. And in the amount of headers that he he he. he, he picks out the wrong player with or it goes to the wrong player he's passing is so off at the minute it's like I'm just starting to feel like the Premier League's getting a bit too quick for him like is he a squad player next season possibly but if you can cash in on him and bring in Asia from Celtic then maybe you know but like he's been a hey, there's, there's a good lad in Spain isn't there uh, what's he called again Lejeune I think he's called Oh, he, he can pass a ball, he can defend. Okay, I wonder yeah. who he plays for. Do a joke in the hand there, uh, get the scout report. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, but, um, no, it's 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 a sad one o'clock because he's been he's been an excellent servant, he's never really put a foot wrong up until never complained. Has up he? until this last oh. injury, he's been he's been professional. He, he was a massive part of the championship season and the promotion season. But I don't know. I'm I, 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 it could just be me overreacting. I hope he comes back next week to prove us wrong and he has a belt. He has a fit and belt and performance. Scored against Arsenal. It just it just feels a bit well. It's Arsenal this week because in the last podcast I was saying, oh, well, Arsenal's next and Arsenal's next, but it was actually Liverpool. So I made myself look like a right up and tit. Just to clear up, it is Arsenal next week. It's definitely Arsenal next week. But but um, I hope Clark goes on to prove us wrong. But I am starting to be a little concerned with him dropping, drop, just dropping a little bit in terms of like his overall quality. But um, unless there's anything you want to add, Paul, regarding the like the match yesterday, uh, no, just I was just over the moon, mate. I, I thought I thought a draw was probably the best. I think I predicted one-one actually when, in the view from the van that I did for the preview, and I said I was probably letting my heart roll my head a little bit, but it was most likely a little bit of both. Um, either side could have won it. I think we should have won it, but I think on on the reflection of it all, I think the point is. Pretty much uh, fair, although obviously Klopp and all the Liverpool players were whining and bitching on at the end and stuff like that. But just goes to show you, lads, you've got to earn the result. Now it can be given to you. It's not a closed shop, you know, this Premier League. Not a closed shop. Well, that's it because like, you, you look at it um, and there's one thing I've actually thought of adding. Like, when we got beat off Brighton, mate really worrying times like obviously yeah. it was a very panicky podcast we had guests we had a guest due to come on we cancelled the guest because how negative the podcast was and stuff like that um uh, 
so negative at the time, and then for it to pick up eight points in the next four games, if he had offered us that beforehand, I would have, one, I wouldn't have believed you, two, I would have probably laughed at you, and two, and three, like, you know, it would have just been like, no way, after getting beat of Brighton, but the players have stood up, the likes of Matt Ritchie, um, ASM stood up, even Joel Linton's piped in for a couple of goals. Like the players, the team have stood up. They've changed formation. And I think with Graham Jones having a past experience at Wigan using the five at the back system, I think he's managed to make it a bit more stable and a bit more uh, like not as open. And he's been able to work with the Steves. So it's just fair play to everyone. I'll not. So I've been able to work with them lot. I'll, I'll not, I'll, I'm not going to give Steve Bruce sole praise because we shouldn't have been in that mess in the first place. But it actually looks like now, Paul, that we might just stay up. We're nine points away from Fulham, five games to go. If we get something out of our next game and they, they fail to beat Chelsea, I think that'll be pretty much That's it. Right. Yeah, but... I, I will say, I mean, I think uh, Polly yesterday on the page, we, we've had a, a, <laughs> a long history with Polly. Um, going back many, many years. But he put on, he says, like, yeah, it's a good result and stuff like that. He says, but really, we shouldn't have been in the position in the first place. But the first celebrate, is it? Come on. So it's, and I said to him, I said, it's, it's more relief, a, a sigh of relief, as opposed to, uh, oh, great, fantastic. You know, this, this just staying up, and I, I know as we recorded this, um, Burnley have won today and gone above us. Um the, this is still, if we finish where we are at the moment, it's still a very, very bad season for Steve Bruce. Make no mistakes about it. Must Just because you have a good run at the end doesn't cover up for the for the catalogue of issues and problems. Uh, a lot of them caused by you know uh, like Steve Bruce. So yes, we're having a good little run towards the end, but it shouldn't have needed this. We should have been much better in games against Wolves, Sheffield United. Uh, the Aston Villas of the world and so on and so forth. So it's still a case of I think Steve Bruce's position uh, is untenable. I think his position needs to be reviewed again in in, in the summer. Uh, and I don't think it's good enough what he's uh, de- delivered up for the investment that the club has made. But on a game yesterday, and again, I, I said this when we won last time out, he's paid to win football matches. Um, and to be honest, we should have won that football match yesterday. So... He did what was needed yesterday, but this doesn't at all. This this roommate does not correct and does not paper over the cracks of what has been still a shit a shit season. We shouldn't be anywhere near this place. It's one of, we the, it's up, one of the worst. One yeah, of the worst. Some of the performances have been absolutely rank. Um, and I think at the end of the season he's got to go. The the the, the, the problem is, mate, if this takeover doesn't happen, we're going to have another season of him. Do you know what I mean? Because yep. it's going to be exactly him. the same as this. We will not sack him. And it's just like, is it no. is it going to be another case where... But there's talk came out the day that, that this arbitration case will definitely be settled this summer. So we'll know either way whether... It, it, it's literally two extremes. It's either we'll get the takeover and Steve Bruce is no longer in a job or arbitration doesn't happen and, he's, and he stays in a job and we're kind of left guideless and rudderless. But like... Yeah, it's it's um it's a big summer for Newcastle, mate. A really big summer because I really fear for when next season, if we lose yeah. Maxi in particular, because if we lose Maxi, mate, I don't care how Bruce, how good Bruce thinks he is, because he thinks he's better than he actually is. Um, if we lose Maxi and keep Mike Ashley, 
we'll be in division, we'll be in the championship uh, yeah. in two seasons' time. No I, think we'll I think we'll go away with one this season. I really do. I think we've yeah. had a couple of really fortunate results. They've picked it up the last four games, and I'll give them that. Um, but most of that season, pretty flipping bleak, like. But it, I'm really, I'm, it's I'm, I'm, yeah. It's it more really... a, a huge wake up, mate. It should be a massive wake up call to Lee Charney and Mike Ashley. But let's face it, Mike Ashley, a year ago when the sale was agreed, put the keys in an envelope and posted them through the door. And it's, it's since that time he hasn't given two flying fucks what's happening at Newcastle United. Um, and Lee Charney is the most useless and inept. Uh, prick I have ever had the experience um, of, of, of you know having any sort of dealings with um, and the thing is I have no confidence in the fact that we will have learned any lessons from this season it will just be again two fingers up to the fans we told you we wouldn't go down and that's the remit it, Steve Bruce can talk about top tens all he wants the fans can think you know we've been up a couple of seasons now we should be progressing beyond relegation fights but as long as these cockroaches, this infestation of cockroaches, which has been here for 14 years, continues at the top, it will be, unless there's a takeover, another season exactly the same again. We'll make the same mistakes, we'll lose the same stupid games, um, and we'll put all the pressure on ourselves to the end. And, and, it, and it'll come down to, have we kept hold of your ASMs of the world, or have we been greedy and cashed in? If for me... I wouldn't cash in on a player like that unless it was, it'd have to be over 100 million. Because what's the point? We signed him for 20. And Aston Villa, uh, that Aston Villa fan who was trying to uh, wind me up was saying, oh, Newcastle have got money worries. We don't. We're one of the most meagerly run clubs that, that, that there is. Um, but Aston Villa haven't got the money to be able to afford him because he would go to one of the, the, the top teams. And I think if you were going to ask money for him, uh, bearing in mind Joe Linton costs 40 million. And we all know about Joel, isn't it? Um, 700 million. I'll, I'll be wanting close, over 100 million. Uh, Modric went for a uh, 29-year-old Luka Modric went for, what, 100 million? So um, a younger, more promising uh, player, at least the same, if not a little bit more. level of capability, hasn't he? He could go all the way to the top, Maxi. And I just yeah. I hope, I hope Newcastle can get this takeover. And we can build we the team around up. him, Joe Willock, players like that. Do you know what I mean? Matt that's Nebraska. that's the main thing. But um Jamal tells his dad as well. But there's one I, I keep remembering things to mention me before I start talking about the ASL. And um the best friend of Steve Bruce all season has been a certain journalist by the name of Luke Edwards. Um very sad to report that he's oh, blocked my oh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's listened to one of the podcasts when we've called him, a, when we've said a couple of home truths or he's seen a tweet or two from myself. But um, I've never personally attacked um, Luke Edwards. I've never personally wished him ill or anything like that. I've just called a spade a spade on the absolute bullshit he comes out with on a weekly yeah. basis. If Newcastle win a game, if Newcastle get a positive result, his first thing is good Newcastle United fans over Steve Bruce because he's best mate, Steve Bruce. And like a couple of years ago, when Rafa was in charge, he was probably seen as one of the most um 
one of the most like one of the bigger journalists that cover Newcastle United, one of the best in any way. I definitely say that. But since Bruce has came in, he's had he's had this skewed vision with it being his mate, and he's 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 be he's been the protagonist of just for Bruce when it's be when he needs to read the room and realize his position was untenable at points. Um, and he was con consistently defending Bruce, defending Bruce. Get one good thing happens, he's all over it. Gordon fans, Gordon fans, lying about certain things with a takeover. Uh, Henry Morris, I mean, who the flipping it? Still, still to this day, no Henry Morris, still nowhere to be seen. He's lost no. like, the Burnley defenders of a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Maxi sent them to the shop. A wanted poster, where are you? You know what I mean? It's like, I've got nothing against Luke Edwards, I really don't. But for no, him, what you've done, mate, is you've exposed some of the flaws in his argument and he doesn't like it. That's the top one of it. All you've done is looked at the football side of it, exposed some of the inconsistencies with what he said, some of the problems with what he said, and he doesn't like the fact that you are not sitting there uh, loading them up and this, that, and the other. You've highlighted weaknesses in, in his arsenal. Uh, well, if, if you feel the need to be able to block people because you've lost the argument, then... Yeah, it's it's a little bit sad and a little yeah. bit. Pathetic. We have gone down the game, and this sort of thing, but um, and we're all for doing things in the right way. But um, no, if if you're going to get a bit precious because you know your mate's being called out when he's been doing terrible, um, then I don't know. I think a little bit grown up needs needs to be done. Um, Steve Bruce has done a terrible job. There's been some good results here and there, some good moments in the season. But by and large, he's done a terrible job. And all you've done is highlight that. And then for some unknown reason, oh, I'll block him. Well, if the heat, if, if it's too hot in the kitchen, get out the kitchen. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's just, I, I think I know what what he's blocked before because I basically say, look, I think he's lost all credibility, as I've mentioned before. He's lost all credibility amongst Newcastle fans because he'll always be remembered as either one or two things by Newcastle fans in terms of his journalism career. Henry Morris, Bruce's best mate. That's all he'll be remembered for, mate. He'll be remembered for nothing else as a journalist up here. Yeah. And I think the best for his career would be to, to go and cover someone else. I know he supports Leighton Orient. He could go and cover them. He's a, he, he has shown he can be a good journalist because he was a very respected journalist before Steve Bruce walked through the door. It's just he's lost a lot of credibility over Steve Bruce. He's mate, so you know I've I, I don't think I've been out of line. I mean, if he feels I have, more than happy he can he can come on and tell us yeah, that I've been out out of line. You have to unblock us first, mate. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just it it just stinks of just doesn't like the doesn't like the truth. He doesn't it's because he's blocked many in Newcastle fans over over the last week over the last month or two over Steve Bruce when it's been two wins and twenty, very negative and he'd still go with people and say Bruce is the right man and it just seems like a tough of horse shit to me, mate. But that, that that's one thing I want to mention before we moved on to the ASL. And now last Sunday, a day after we did the podcast, it was it was kind of rumoured news. It wasn't nothing was confirmed, but it's been a big week in terms of football. Um the 12 founding clubs, uh, six of them being the big six in the Premier League, which is no surprise to me. Uh, so so 23 years, 23 year deal or something hosted by the Glazers, Florencio Perez, and uh, Stan Kroenke of Arsenal. Um, we're going to come together and make a Super League. 
um, completely disbanding from the Champions League. And I've never, and I completely agree with what Gary Neville has said on this one. It's an attack on football. And like, I know it came out in the wash and everything's pulled out now, and we're a bit late at the party for a, an instant reaction on that one. But like, they've tried to attack football and change it for the worst to profit themselves. And they've tried to franchise football like the, like the Americans have done with the NFL, like they've done with, with many a sport, like baseball. Like, baseball players get millions upon millions upon millions because of this franchise fr franchise thing with the way it is and it's like it's so it's so disappointing that football's came to this because what baffles me is me right you've got the saudi arabians who couldn't get a takeover for certain reasons yet stan Kroenke, joel glaser um roman abramovich uh the, the, I can't remember his name, Man City, um, the owner of Man City, and then James, uh, John Henry, I think it is, at Liverpool, and and finally Daniel Levy. All six of them passed the Premier League test, yet Newcastle, the Newcastle owners, who have came out and says they're against it through, um, through Amanda Staveley's husband, being strictly against this, You've and they've got more money than all of them combined, and they're against that. So for me, like it's just pure like if 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 there's more it, it's just pure greed, mate. And like them yeah. them six owners want to hang their heads in shame. It's an absolute embarrassment of football. Here's he, the story, right? When when the Liverpool owners came over, right, Tanfield for the first time, they go in the director's box, they say all nice things. Yeah. And then he goes out and he says, Which which colour are we? Which which end are we attacking? And that shows you the level of interest that these type of people have got in the football club. Primarily, it's a group of American or people with American influences. You look at Chelsea, for example. Yes, Russian-owned, but Bruce Book runs the operation down there, American. And what they want is a bit of a, um, a globetrotter type approach. They want to have Manchester United v Manchester City. They want to have Chelsea versus Juventus. They want to have Barcelona v Real Madrid in Sydney. They want to have it in New York. They want to have it all around the world. So they would literally globetrot around the world and it would be a travelling freak show designed to extract as much money uh, out uh, of the situation for themselves as possible. You've got uh, Sergio Perez, who's the um, Real Madrid uh, head honcho. Um, they are just under £1 billion in debt. You've got Barcelona... 1.2 billion pound in debt. You've got Real Madrid, whose buildings, uh, whose uh, football stadium is a building site at the moment. They're playing the matches at the um, at the Castilla. They're playing the, uh, the training ground, and um, these are huge sums of, of, of debt that all these um, clubs have got. So you can dress it up that you're trying to protect football and you're trying to stop South Ends going out of business and you're trying to uh, protect the Grimsby's of the world and the football pyramid. You are not. What you are trying to do, mate, is you are trying to service that huge debt. The interest payments on some of the debts that they have got, right, are between, for example, Spurs. Here's an example for you. Spurs, with the debt that they have got, which is over a billion pound in debt they are currently in with the stadium, right, they failed to make a, a payment recently on um, a repayment for that debt. Their repayments are now between 70 and 90 million pound per year. That's a repayment on debt. That is why. That is what is all behind this. Um, they have been planning this behind the Premier League's back. 
The Premier League and Dick Master, who runs it, has protected this elitist cartel. And all of the meantime, they have been getting ready to backstab Dick Master. So Dick Master needs to look at who he is picking as his friends and his allies and who he's letting whisper in his ear. And he needs to give over and start running the fairest ship. And he needs to start promoting this competition that he's, he's this week he's come out and, oh, it's all about competition. It's all about this, that, and the other. Well, start promoting it. Start letting real change. Let other investors come in. Let them talk, top six have their feathers ruffled, ruffled a bit. Throw a cat amongst the pigeon. Whatever way you want to summarise it all, don't let those greedy six bastards ruin the game because they've got no idea about the history, about the pyramid, about what's no. gone on before it. They've got no idea what goes on at, at a Grimsby. And I don't care whether whether you support, uh, I don't know, you can support uh, Hartlepool, Gateshead, Darlington. You could support Leighton Orient that you've just mentioned. Newcastle, Manchester United, Man City. I do not care. To each and every person who supports that club, that club is the most important uh, the most important thing. So don't disrespect it. And and, and my thing, and the reason why I've, I think we thought we'd leave it a little bit before talking about it, was what's going to be the punishment? To me, the punishment should have been dished out already. And you look at what, what could have happened. If this had gone through, right, Wigan recently got a 12-point deduction um, because Wigan went in, into administration. If you look at up and down the football leagues, there's been huge points uh, deductions handed out. Middlesbrough, years, yeah. yeah, Middlesbrough, did they get seven points for, for not uh, having a match? Uh, there's loads of individual circumstances where football clubs are, uh, this season, Sheffield Wednesday had a six-point deduction because of financial irregularities at the football club. They're going to go down this season um, and so on and so forth. You look, if this had gone ahead, the actions of those six would have caused a whole host of the, the 92 clubs in the Football League, plus potentially the likes of Burnley's, etc., etc., to have gone into administration. So, to me, if you're going to give, um, you know, a, a, you know, a consequence for this, it needs to be strong, it needs to be firm, and it needs to put them back in in the place. Uh, to me, Dick Master has protected this lot for too, too long and they've got away with too much for too long uh, and they are no more important than Newcastle. Uh, they are no more in important than any other of the other teams. And, and I was quite strongly saying last Sunday, kick a lot of them out, restructure the leagues. We don't need them because you still would have had lots of local derbies. You could have restructured like we did back in 1992, uh, had local matches, um, and it would have been a, still a fantastic uh, product. And now they are trying to spin their PR, mate, and they're trying to come out as if, oh, look, aren't we good because we were the first people to come out? No, you're not. You shouldn't no. have been talking behind, our, behind all of our backs for so long. And the other 14 want to deal with this six in the strongest possible terms. And I heard Dick Master come out this week and he says, I want to take them off some um, uh, heads of uh, meetings and uh, committees that they're on. That doesn't go anywhere near enough, but that is typical yeah, of Dick Master and Hoffman and, and, and all them who, who's in charge of the game. The leadership at the Premier League and the FA is piss poor. It needs sorting out. They tried to backstab a lot of us. They didn't give a shit what happened to our football clubs. So huge things need to happen. And and I'm you're at a point where you're sitting there thinking, I'm sick and tired of money 
And more importantly, not just money, because money spent well. Look at what Manchester City have done in the community of Manchester with all the money. But greed. Look at what greed. Because when is enough money enough? Why does Paul Pogba need 500 grand a week to sign a new contract at Manchester United? It is just literally hoard out, hoard out greed. It doesn't need yes. to be like this. There's enough money in the game, mate. And it needs to be redistributed so the entire football pyramid benefits. But stop dressing it up, um, you know, a, a wolf in, in uh, dressing a wolf up as a sheep and that sort of thing. It, it it needs to stop. It's been a disgusting episode, and it's it's again highlighted the need for change. And I think the biggest punishment the Premier League could do is to approve the sale for Newcastle and say, "There you go." Deal with it. You didn't want Newcastle United sitting beside us at, at the top table. Well, fuck you. Now they are. And now the cat has been let out. And, uh, yeah, what will come? It shouldn't even come to that, though, mate. It shouldn't even come to that. Go, uh, in, yeah. terms of, in terms of our takeover in any way. But, like, for me, they've got to punish the, the, every team severely. Because yep. if, they're gonna, if they're going to tap on the wrist, mate, they'll think, give it a couple of years and we'll do it again. Because after Lorenzo Perez says they're not going away, if you don't punish them severely, I'm talking five-year expulsion from Champions League, deduction of points next season. Yeah. I think I think a fair punishment would be all 12 clubs, five-year expulsion from the Champions League and all start on minus 25 points next season with a, a, like a, a 100 to 200, 300 million pound fine. So, the, so no team does it again. And then put a clause into every league across the world. That's FIFA's job or UEFA's job. If you try and break out into another league, you get fined this. Mm-hmm. Or you will but be they, charged this. So I, I, I agree with you, mate. It needs to be big enough. But at, at the same time, mate, um, this is the trouble. When you've got UEFA, who is, is bent as a two-bob note, and when you've got FIFA, who is corrupt and bent as well, and they're running the game, is it any surprise that the club look and think, hey, FIFA's bent, the wafer's bent, why can't we be a little bit bent? Yeah? Why can't we be a sly in, in collude and we'll have our little group together to pre- per, you know, to protect our own interests and stuff? And football needs cleaning up, but you're totally right. Those clubs need huge... I've heard people say, let, let, them, let them go to League Two. Let them play your Grimsby's. Let them play Bolton Wanderers. Let them play... Uh, I don't know, Bristol Rovers who just got relegated with Joey Barton at the weekend. And, and then, like, them smaller clubs are going to benefit from larger game receipts and stuff. But I think you're quite right. I, I think a points deduction uh, and maybe a points deduction for a couple of seasons. So each season over the next three seasons, you start with a minus total. Um, could be the way to go. And I do think that um, if you were to find them more than they would have got for this European Super League, then again, you'll think twice before risking it again because yeah, you are exactly. totally hit the nail on the head. They will go away, they will quiet it down and they'll repackage it up and it will come back in a different guise a couple of years and later. Plan it better. And they'll plan it better, mate, and they'll get a breakaway because all it took really was PSG and Bayern Munich to say yes. If they'd have said yes, nobody would have been able to do shit about it, mate. So yeah. we came incredibly close to losing our game for, for forever the really? way it is. A close shot where nobody you have to get invited no and, they, and they would play the second teams in the Premier League, degrading the Premier League, degrading the league that we've degrading the league that we've 
had been in for years, you know, and, and like, and it's grew respect. Obviously, it's not run by the right people, but the league still holds an esteem as being the best in the world. So, yeah, it's it just as long as the punishment's there, if they get a, if they get a tap on the wrist, mate, it's as bad for football is what the breakout was because they'll just do it again in 10 years' time and they will get away with it the next time for damn sure because they'll plan it better. They'll make sure every team's signed up in silence and then they'll just break away and then UEFA, FIFA, government, fans will not be able to do anything about it, mate, and they'll make the money that they'll so crave. These greedy bastards yeah. either kicked out of football or they need punished to a point where they think not doing mm. it again. And, and then it's not, the Premier yeah. League rules and regulations as well. It's not just a case of uh, we'll make it so these executives... It, it doesn't matter. If, if you ban Bruce Buck right, at Chelsea from uh, a, a commit, running a committee that's looking at a certain aspect of the game, right? Right, that's fine. But all that will happen is Roman Abramovich will get another million in at Chelsea and then they'll come straight in. So you're defeating the object. Those sort of punishments aren't anywhere near strong enough. And I hope the dick master at the Premier League has um, got the balls to be able to sort this out. But to me, already, they should have all been charged by the Premier League with breaking the rule. I think it's like L something. L L Whatever rule it is, they should have been charged. And they should have said there's going to be a meeting at the end of the season where the, the punishment will be decided. But at least charge them with, with a breach of breaking Premier League rules. Because it sends out again... I would be literally as the iron sort. I think that they're waiting until it dies down so they can give them a small punishment and window dress it to make it look, uh, you know, make it look great. But like you said, this will come round again. So let's deal with it strongly now. Points deduction over a couple of seasons, a huge fine, a couple hundred million, um, and maybe in future we won't have this situation because we'll be sitting there thinking, ah, the precedent last time. And I'd say to them. You, you're going to get take your argument 25 points for a second breach of those rules. It will be you are you're excluded, you're you, you know, you're, you're kicked out of the league, so it's in black and white. You do this again, you look to undermine, you work behind us, you, you're not working in a, a transparent, clear way, then you will be expelled from the league, you will be relegated to League Two, you'll be relegated to, to I don't know. Look what would happen to say a Darlington when they've got to reform and start from tier 10 or whatever again. Start again, yeah. I completely agree, mate. But I just thought we had to mention, um, yeah, the League, it had to be mentioned. Um, but obviously, in terms of Newcastle, back to, back to basics, I think, Paul, yeah, good Newcastle. and honestly, going against one of these big six next week against Arsenal. Really I, really don't, I really don't rate that Arsenal team. I really think they're there to be got at. We won't have Joe Willett to come and save her off the bench, but um, yeah, I, I'm quite, I'm, I'm confident going into next week against Arsenal because I don't rate them, and I think Maxi, Maxi hasn't played against them since Bruce's first game in charge, and I think Maxi would be a flipping difference against this Arsenal team. Mine plus Wilson as well. Wilson, well, back Wilson will be back in from the start. So I'm confident going into next week. I haven't been confident about Newcastle game for a flipping long, long time against a big, bigger side. But um, I'm yeah. confident about this one. Bring on Arsenal next week, mate. 
Totally. Yeah, I, I, I'm going in. I think, you know, um, I was saying it to the missus yesterday. I said, it's amazing how, you know, a couple of decent performances by Newcastle and, and you feel totally different. Um, you know, the, the, the coronavirus thing, the restrictions are being allowed so you can have some family and stuff around. Um, it's the sun, the weather's been absolutely lovely. It's been perfect. Uh, Newcastle playing a bit of football, getting a few results and, um, yeah, putting a smile back on some of the supporters' faces in in what's been a very difficult and challenging year for Newcastle United supporters. Uh, and we've got, as well, mate, the caveat on the very near horizon of potentially 10,000 fans back for Sheffield United at St James's Park. And we hope and pray, we've got everything crossed, that we are part of that. Um, and obviously we're going to try to be part of that. Um you know, things start to look up. Get the result against Arsenal, then no doubt about it, we've got two difficult fixtures. Yes, Leicester have got injuries and stuff. Um, and I know Manchester City have, have lost one or two recently and they're going to have a few injuries for the rest of the season. But um, I think we're capable of beating Arsenal. Um, I think Leicester and Manchester City are going to be in, uh, two extremely difficult games to get much from. But then we go into two games against Sheffield United and um, Fulham. And, and let's face it, I hope by the, the time we certainly get to, I don't know, maybe the Leicester game, we, we might be safe, mate. We might already be safe and we might be safe if we can do something against Arsenal. But this is, a, again, like we've said before, it's a very ordinary Arsenal side. It's not the Arsenal side that I hold. It's not the Wenger side. It's not the Invincibles, um, Wilson, ASM, Miggy, um and then, you know, if, if we get enough points, I want to see the likes of uh, Matty Longstaff brought back because if, we've got to try different things to see what's going to work better for next season, mate. We've got to start to learn and prepare ourselves for next season and stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, roll on Arsenal. I'm actually looking forward to the game. I was yeah. dreading recently how Bruce was setting us up. Yeah, uh, it is. It's a, it, it just shows how how much it can change within a month after Brighton and stuff. And but a bounce back, like we'll have and have a little bit of confidence going in next week. But uh, a happy result, a happy-ish podcast. Um, so at least we've had a couple of couple of happy ones on the bounce, mate. It's good to have, um, especially with the YouTube channel and that coming up soon. Uh, really looking forward to that. Well, the official launch of the YouTube channel, it's it's there, but it's kind of not there properly yet. It's just like... We're just testing. It's a bit like the Sky being on a new channel and you see it there, don't you? And you see it with a nice little stuff on. Just getting uh, ready. But it doesn't stop here, though, boys and girls listening. Going on there um, and giving it a subscribe ready and turning your notifications on. <laughs> and I think 260 people have already done that. We haven't even launched it yet, so... That is um, that's Crazy. absolutely fantastic. So yeah, a few more people doing that will will definitely continue to put a smile on our our faces. And you can see bits and bobs of stuff there. Um, myself rambling in the van as I'm going round talking about no six days off, and yourself uh, rambling away uh, as well. I must say though, the new graphics and everything looking absolutely dogs bollocks. Check them out. Mm-hmm. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Doesn't cost yeah, you anything. I- we're really, we're really looking forward to uh, launching the channel. We've got we've got everything nearly ready, ready to go. And uh, yeah, look next season, 
ready to get onto YouTube. Nothing will change about the podcast. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be on Spotify. The only difference is on YouTube, you'll be able to see where, which is a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. You'll use being but a you decide. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I, unless there's anything you want to add, Paul, I'll uh, I'll wrap it up there. Like, no. Just keep keep the positivity coming. We like it. We're like, we uh, we like, the like positivity. keep the weather nice. Yeah. Keep the positivity coming. Lovely. Yes, I do love the positivity. We'll probably say this will go home five 0 next week. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been a good podcast again, Paul. Um, we'll love you and leave us for now, and uh, yeah, catch you on next week. Ian's Arsenal. It's right this time. It's not flipping someone else. It's definitely Arsenal. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, catch you in a bit. Everyone, see us later. <laughs>